there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm really, really excited uh, for our guest today. Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur. He's got multiple uh, successful exits under his belt. Uh, He is an angel investor, an impact investor. Uh, and really a digital marketing pioneer. Like he, it's not in his job title. I mean, his job titles have always been CEO, but he's like a very marketing forward uh, CEO in my experience. And and I'm super excited to learn from him. Uh, he co-founded and uh, was chairman and CEO of Car Checks uh, up until just recently, um, had his final successful exit. And currently, he's chief consultant and strategist at Goldsmith Consulting. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Goldsmith. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, and fun story. So Jason and I were both from the uh, Baltimore, D.C. area. So we've actually known each other personally for many years. So, uh, so I'm stoked to get into all of it. Uh, you know we love to start with, with the best part. So let's start off. And you just share uh, with the audience here today, one of your best secrets, like one of your biggest secrets to success. Well, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think for marketing, this, this probably goes to be said, all, all the businesses that I've gotten into, I've gotten into early. Um, and my experience is if you're following, you're fucked. Um, and so we could talk a lot about that today, what I think is the next thing and, and what you need to be thinking about as a marketer. And somebody's trying to provide value uh, to your customers uh, in terms of how this, how your funnel operates and what you're going to do, particularly in your ads. But the key here is to, to stay ahead of the curve. Um, and so that means picking industries that, that really haven't been saturated um, and, and knowing how to pick those, those places where there's opportunity. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, um, so give us an example or maybe tell us the, the car check story and how you got into that. Well, I'll give you, I'll go back even further than that. I'll give you kind of the, the timeline. It'll be easy uh, to kind of give you a sense of what I'm talking about here. So when I started the loan page, which was my business before car checks, right? Very similar to lending tree. We helped create that banks compete model on the internet um, and for, for, for lending in general. And what happened there is when I started that business, I would generate a lead. It would cost me $3 to generate a lead. I did generate an exclusive lead and I'd sell it exclusively for $10. When I sold that, that's, that was 1998. When I sold that business in 2003 to Battery Ventures, um, that same lead cost about $27 to $28 to generate, but we were wow. selling it four times for $45 a piece. So the market developed and we saw the opportunity early. At that point in time, people were Mortgage brokers and mortgage shops were predominantly sending direct mail. The market was completely saturated. And that was the opportunity that we saw. And because we were able to get in early, we were able to become a market maker in lead gen. And car checks was no different. When we started car checks, it was even earlier. Um, and there's some good and bad to being too early. We could spend a lot of time on that, but we won't go down that rabbit hole quite yet. Um, but the, the, the reality there was there was really even, there was nobody to sell leads to. So when I started that business, 
started as an inspection company and we added uh, the protection plan sales, it was kind of interesting because there was nobody to sell leads to. So ultimately, we just vertically integrated and became the reseller there. Um, and again, we were early and, we, and to this day, we, we really control uh, a good portion of the digital sandbox. And I think that we're the market leader in that space or, um, you know, uh, certainly uh, they are the market leader in that space. It's been such a short time since I've been disconnected with them. I have to get that into my programming. But um, yeah. But the reality is, you know, that that's the a key thing here. And there's multiple markets right now that I'm looking at in terms of my next venture where there's that same opportunity. It's early. You don't have a ton of folks in there. And, you know, as a marketer, once it gets saturated, it gets much more difficult. So having green fields in front of you is a big part of the secret and just picking the right segment. I think a lot of marketers feel like, well, if the market's well developed, I'll get into that market. And that's going to be a good opportunity for me because there's plenty of potential customers. And, and that's true. But the problem of that is you've got so much competition. And if you're late to the party, it's often hard to catch up. Yep. Yeah. It's like the law of shitty click-throughs. Have you heard of that? Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the exactly law of shitty right. click-throughs. It's yeah. basically like all marketing strategies eventually will erode to just being shitty. And, and that's, that's quite frankly what's happening here uh, in in the industry. I think there's a particularly in lead generation, there is a huge need uh, right now to to do better in terms of the quality of lead, the experience of the consumer, and then ultimately what you're delivering to your customer, the end buyer. And uh, you know, happy to kind of jump into some of that too, and uh, as we get go along here, some of the specifics. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it, it, everything deteriorates into crap, particularly when the payouts and the opportunities get so big, right? That's when all of the garbage starts coming along because it's just, it becomes for marketers that their eyes open up becomes too easy. And, you know, as a, as a lead buyer and uh, a business, it, it gets harder and harder to parse the garbage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it's exciting. I'm excited for you that you're in this scenario now where you're able to like, look for your next opportunity and you could just really step back and survey the field. That's exciting. Um, but Thanks. before I'm we get into too. that, yeah. like I want to hear about you know the different things, the different spaces that you're eyeing. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm curious because I imagine a lot of the folks listening right now are not in that scenario. You know, they're probably at a company or maybe they have their own company and and it's sure. established and it's in a space. You know, like us for instance. You know, we're a performance marketing agency. That like when we got into it, it was opportune timing as well. There was way less competition. I remember we were like the kings of Baltimore, practically, you know, and for sure. We only yeah. had like 25, 30 people at that point. Um, now it's very, very crowded. And I think a lot of the, you know, folks in the audience are probably, you know, not having this first mover advantage. Is there some way to be in an established space, but still not, but somehow not be following along? Yeah, I mean, I think what you have to do, absolutely, of course there is. And, you know, you there's always opportunity within these established verticals. But the key is you've got to be able to deliver the next best thing, right? The next best opportunity. And as a lead buyer, um, you know, as a business owner, what I'm thinking about is how do I get better quality leads, right? Versus and quantity is always important. It's got to be a scalable opportunity, but you've got to be able to deliver on the quality. And so what I think the next thing is here, 
And if you're a marketer, you should really be thinking about conversational AI. Um, you should be thinking about you know chat GPT and what it can do for you. I mean, it's going to change the game for, for marketers, for everybody in terms of the experience we're able to deliver. And if you think about one of the biggest problems over the last three years, it's really been contact rates, right? So that same lead that we were all generating, whether it was a form-fed lead, um, you know, where the, the typical model then, you know, get your lead, it's submitted, you're calling somebody back within, you know, seconds, minutes, right? The, the contact rates on those leads used to be great. That experience worked well. It wasn't the greatest experience for the consumer, but it worked well for the marketer and, and for the company that you were ultimately selling to. Well, that's changed. I mean, a lot of things have changed across the board. You've had, you know, you've had robo dialing that hurt things. You've got all the carriers changing things. You've got all of us who are being bombarded on our phones, screening things constantly. So now, even when we've requested information, we often cannot figure out who that information is coming from because there's no clear path from the carriers on how you can can identify that information. And you guys kind of understand all the components of that. So I think the trick here, if you're a marketer, is and you don't have to do this. It's not an expensive endeavor. Is build a better mousetrap, build more value as you go along, for whoever you might be selling leads to. Create them, and part of that is when I say build the better mousetrap, I don't just mean build a better funnel, etc. But this funnel has to be really smart. So you're entering it with right, potentially right from the ad, but more importantly, once you've got that person's information and they're engaged. And you haven't gotten them on the phone. Let's say you, you you're in a call center environment. You need to talk to that person to make that sale happen. Well, you've got to find a way to get them engaged. I think I think conversational AI is the way to do that. So you get them engaged so that they're more likely to pick up the phone or to click to call. And I think that's a big part of it. Is you've really got to be clever in how you do that. But at the same time, as a marketer, I think you have to think more like the business owner these days and what that customer experience is going to be. Because if you can deliver a better experience, you're going to be able to deliver a better contact rate, a better conversion rate, and ultimately that's going to lead to a sale. And so what, what I don't see, I see a lot of the same old tricks in the space and you know, in general across multiple verticals. And I think if you're going to, if you want to really win this game, you got to be thinking about how can I improve my front end experience for the customer and create that better mousetrap. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so conversational AI, you uh, how do you envision that? Uh, like, where is that in the funnel? Is that on a thank you page, for instance, like right after the form is submitted? Or how, how do you? It, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different places to implement. So there's a, a company, and full disclosure, I'm an investor and an advisor for Symphony. Um, so this, this, this company, Symphony 42, they ultimately are using conversational AI at the ad level and they're starting at the ad level where there's engagement and you can actually deliver it through the ad. That's one way to do it, right? But there's other opportunities in simple things like so you've sent, you've tried to reach out to a consumer, right? You're in, you know, you've you've made the call or if you're if you're a marketer who's doing the in-between kind of uh, whether it's call transfer or hot transfers in some scenario, but you can't get in touch with that consumer. The next thing that you do is, you know, or, uh, you know, that's a, that's a place to send an email and activate conversational AI, or oftentimes like with car checks, we would get consumers that were saying, look, 
I don't want to talk to a human. I know you want to talk to me, but I don't want to talk to a human. And so that's an opportunity for you to plug it in and send and start the conversation back through email in conversational AI to get a better chance of them going, okay, this isn't so bad. I get it. Like you're not giving me the hard sell. You're trying to give me the information I need, whatever it may be, so that you can get them ultimately to click to call or, or get them on the phone. So there's a lot of different places in the funnel that I think you can play around with it. Um, there's follow-up opportunities for it. I mean, I don't know, you probably haven't had a lot of time to play with ChatGPT yet, but if you can, you know, these companies that are out there who are already doing conversational AI, from my perspective, are in big trouble because that platform is going to be the platform for everything. Um, you know, whether it's that or Google, something to that effect where it's easy for people to build on top of it is going to become, you know, the opportunity, I think, for all of us to inexpensively create these really sophisticated funnels that are, are led um, and at least um, have some element of AI incorporated. Interesting, interesting. Well, that is uh, definitely fascinating. I'm tempted to continue down that path. Um, tell us a little bit about, can you talk about Symphony 42 at all? What are they up to? Yeah, so they're they're really just a bit, you know, they're they're getting off the ground in terms of trying to tackle this exact problem, which is how do I create a better lead, a better contact experience using conversational AI to to help go further down the funnel without using a human, right? So, but the difference here, I think, with them is that ultimately they they look at it as they look at most AI solutions as cost saving. I think that's what most people view them as. Okay, it's a cost saving, I'm getting rid of a human versus an income producing revenue opportunity. And I think that's their approach is a little bit different from that perspective is they're, they're looking at it from how do I help the, this marketer, this business through this platform um, have a deliver one, a much better experience to the consumer but to think about it from this is a way to make more money, not just to save dollars by eliminating humans. And I think that's the I think that's a pitfall that a lot of folks could fall into is thinking that that's the solution. AI is eliminating humans. I mean, at some to some degree, it is like, for example, we were talking about um, when somebody doesn't want to talk to a human and you get that email and you say they say, I don't want to talk to a human. Well, one way to test, let's say if you wanted to examine this experience before you're going to make an investment into AI is simply act like an AI, like build your, your essentially you're the AI script with some small group of humans, test it, see what the response is, see how people respond and build that kind of decision tree before you go off into AI. But the idea again is, is this is going to be a way for for me to deliver a better experience, I'll ultimately produce more revenue, better conversion rates. And I think that it's you're already starting to see the, the kind of the tip of the spear on this. But over the next few years, as a digital marketer, I think if you don't have an experience that has incorporated some level of AI into, into that funnel, I think you're, you're certainly well behind the herd. Yeah. So you're envisioning probably chat on the front end and then email on the back end or some real-time analysis of like any data that's been submitted via keystrokes. 
Well, I think ultimately, yes, I'm envisioning those things, but I think ultimately, like I used to think about from our sales process at Carchex that it would be nearly impossible because of all the variables that can happen on a call to incorporate kind of a full AI sales solution. I think my my perspective on that has changed. I think it is absolutely possible to deliver a full experience where you can deliver a really, really strong. And here's the other piece of it. My frustration as a business owner was each person, no matter how you train a person, it's difficult for them to deliver the exact same experience to every consumer every time and have that continuity, right? Mm -hmm. Just it is, right? And so the difference with AI is it's not difficult, right? Because you create, you're creating a decision tree that's consistently learning, but it's going to deliver a very similar experience to each consumer. And if you can hone that, I think that there's a possibility. I think we're what we're going to see is that even in sales, you could see higher conversion rates. Now, look, every consumer is not going to want to talk to AI. Like, you know, you got to have a little bit of Burger King. It's your way right away. And it took a long shift to get to some of the places that we are now. I mean, again, you and I have been doing this a long time. So I'm not saying all these things are going to happen overnight. But what I'm saying is you should be an early adopter to try to figure this out, right? You just don't want to be playing catch up when it comes to some of these new opportunities that are being created with with things like ChatGPT. Yeah, cool. Well, school me a little bit on ChatGPT because I've not researched it uh, that much, but you mentioned building stuff on top of it. I mean, I've played with it, you know, like I've like, you know, type, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, but, listen, uh, I haven't spent a ton of ton of time in it yet either. It's actually like crashes half the time I'm trying to use it right now, given <laughs> the amount of attention that it's getting. Um, but but it's an open AI opportunity. And I think that that's where things are headed, right? I mean, I think that's the key here is that if there's an open AI platform um, that we're all going to be able to tap into, and we've all built, you know, we have built SMS off of OpenAI. We've built our own phone systems off, off of uh, OpenAI, you know, open source code. And I think that then it just makes it much easier for folks to get the barrier to entry for this stuff is going to be lower. And I think that's a part of what it does um, and what it allows. And I'm sure it's going to, you know, there's going to be lots of different directions that it goes. And I'm assuming that with Microsoft's investment, there's going to be a lot of integration with 360 and other opportunities within Microsoft's, you know, platforms, et cetera. But yeah, I think, I think I don't want to co- try to say I'm an expert in chat GBT right now because it's the beginning of, no, I mean, nobody uh, is right. This is it's the beginning, so right? New. There's nobody. But, that's a, yes, but, that's uh, exactly right. But, but, but you got to think of it in those terms. You got to start to think what is going to be possible when this gets there. I'll give you another example for a marketer, right? Like one of the most, annoying and painful things that we all have to do as marketers, particularly if you have a direct consumer facing brand like a car checks is you've got to write a ton of SEO content or have somebody do it for you. Right. I mean, organic search is a big part of the equation. Well, again, if, if I'm in the business of SEO, I'm nervous because ultimately, and probably not in the so distant future, I mean, we're probably talking, you know, real short term here, ChatGPT is going to be able to write optimized, you know, perform, yeah, performance-based articles and content and publish it like that with very little prompting. So 
you know, if again, if, if if those things start to get automated as a marketer, you can think about how much more content you can produce, but then you also have to think about, well, what's Google's answer going to be to that, right? What, what are the algorithm changes going to be for all of these, econ- you know, when people are producing four articles a week and they're now por- producing like four articles an hour, right? Like what happens? It's just, yeah. it's, it's going to be an interesting, I mean, that's what it, I think the world is about to change. And I would say, my instinct, not that I'm right, I could be wrong, is that, you know, this kind of open AI chat GBT in particular is going to really change the game the same way the internet changed the game, right? The same way that the iPhone changed the game. I think that's how important it likely is. Um, but, you know, I could very well be wrong. It just it seems like a marker, it seems like a gold mine uh, to tap into. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and and there are some cool things you can do. Like for instance, you can say, "You are Donald Trump." Like start your start your query like that. Yeah. You are Donald yeah. Trump. Tell me about or what is your policy on immigration? You know? Yeah. So uh, it's crazy. It, I mean, it's, but how it's would it? So true. like, let's say that you wanted to deploy that for like customer service, right? Yeah. I would imagine the method to do that is you would take like terabytes of chat logs from your best customer service reps and essentially like ingest them into the AI. I think that again, what the capabilities are now and what the capabilities will be are obviously evolving. But the idea is, yeah, you can take kind of decision trees and basic inputs and like there's people who are like putting in bullet points and getting full presentations, you know, using the platform right now. It's just, yeah. you know, you could ask it questions about performance marketing. Like we could say, what are the top secrets of performance marketing? And it's going to give you an answer. Like yeah. it may not be like the perfect answer, but you're going to get a list of 10 things that here's what you need to do if you want to be a great performance marketer. Here are the, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, it, it's, you were just scratching the surface. Um, but I think it is going to be real important for, for us as marketers. So to summarize, if you're following your fucked, look for that next big thing. Be early to that party. If you're in a space where you're in an established, uh, you're an established provider or you're in an established space, basically find that next big thing and build a better mousetrap around it. So it's essentially like, hey, what is the next big thing in this particular industry and how can I leapfrog onto that? Uh, And chat GPT, I agree. I I mean, I think that there's huge implications. Uh, What Do you have any tips for like spotting those trends? Because you've successfully done it now twice with loan pay and and car checks. Is there some kind of mental framework that you use like or somewhere you go to look for these kind of ops? You know, it's a lot of it is just understanding, looking at successful companies that may be early in the space, folks who have raised money around a particular space. Like I'm looking for the things where it's a, there's a the average consumer, there's a large need or some untapped opportunity. There's a lot of financial services right now. Um, there's a lot, there's even, you know, areas of, there's just niches within particular groups that are so large that aren't really being thought of. So some of it you have to, you know, you have to, you have to kind of follow the trends, but at the same time, if you can figure out, like, I kind of work backwards, like what 
is a client from a lifetime value perspective going to be able to pay me for that customer? And the big ones, when I go, okay, well, these can afford a lot more because there's lifetime value there that's meaningful. Then I start digging into kind of those spaces and what niches with that in those spaces have not been tapped. It's kind of part of my process. Some of it's, you know, trial and error. Some of it's just talking to, you know, all of my other my my people in marketing that are out there. Like, you know, we have a big network. We've been doing this a long time to understand, you know, where they're where they they're seeing some opportunities and you kind of kind of put all of this information together to figure out what's there. But there's nothing that gets me more excited than when I go, well, here's a problem that hasn't been solved. You know, we use it, for example, in financial services um, that's not serving the masses. And then I start doing research and I see that, no, there's not many companies doing it or there's just to start the beginning of people trying to solve that problem. And they've raised a good amount of capital. That to me tells me that, okay, PE's into this. They get it. They see that there's a problem. That this is going to be a real industry and there's an opportunity. But there is, like I was saying before, and I, we didn't get kind of get into that. There is something as being too early. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I was too early, probably 10 years too early for card checks because I had to wait for a lot of things to evolve and help them evolve as kind of a trailblazer in the split of the space. That wasn't in my intention. You know, sometimes you just, you can see if you're fortunate enough to be able to see an idea before it gets to scale, then you you may be early. And um, and timing is, as you know, it's everything, right? I mean, it, you know, one of my, the things I say about business in general and marketing is the same thing. It's like, you got to stay alive long enough to get lucky. Um, and so uh, that's easier said than done. Um, but yeah, but I'd rather be, it, it, I think the point I was trying to make is that I'd rather be early than late all the time, right? Being late, it's almost impossible to play. It's just, you get an unfair advantage. If you've got people who are well-established in the industry, they can pay more. And that's the other thing is like, when I think about this and what industry I'm, I'm looking to, to dive into, it's with one thing in mind, I'm saying, is there a way? that I'm going to be able to be the market maker and pay more for a lead to create that lead than anybody else out there? Do I have the mechanism to be able to do that and then sustain it? Um, because I'm early enough and I can I can kind of build out the ecosystem that I want around it to be a market maker. So I know that that doesn't fully answer your question on the, from the first part of your question, but like that's the second component of it is, you know, you, you just got to and something is just trial and error. I mean, like not, there's no, not necessarily a magic bullet for this. Like I like to try just like every marketer, what's best practice. Like we're going to AB test the shit out of everything. That's what yeah. we do. Right. So, you know, some of it is just having the balls to dive in and say, you know, even if I'm going to lose a little money, I'm going to learn a ton from this experience and it may directionally point me actually where I should be spending my time and just figure out the components. You know, there's no, yeah. it's, it's kind of the old, just do it. It's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Well, I want to hear about your future plans, but first, um, can you talk a little bit about car checks? Just tell us kind of the story of the evolution and maybe some of the most pivotal moments. Yeah, I mean, sure. There's so much to talk about. It was almost a 20 year experience there, um, but 
you know, that that's an industry that's a, evolved quite a bit. I'll, I'll tell you the opportunity that I saw was you had a lot of, particularly in the, you know, the extended warranty space, we've all received the robo dials, et cetera. That actually came later. But the reality is that space has been plagued with a black eye since the beginning. It started right in the car dealership from the experience we've all had there. And then it became, you know, folks in call centers who were sending us direct mail. And that's where I just saw an opportunity to really be the gold standard, deliver a better experience to the consumer, use technology. You know, I always thought of us as a fintech, insure tech business that we were trying to create a better solution, better experience for the consumer. And that's from the from jump, that's really what we started to do. And that's I think what we were able to accomplish. Um did over you guys time. raise so, money? Or did you? We we did raise money. So we first started off with the friends and family round. I had just come off the sale of the loan page. So raising capital was fortunately pretty easy early on, but we didn't raise a lot. I think our first raise was maybe three hundred thousand dollars. I think our second raise, our first in that, which was a strategic partner raise, but it was an institutional kind of type of raise was maybe 1.5. Uh, and then Assurant, public traded company, another strategic partner, um, we raised at 5 million uh, there. And so that was really all the equity capital that we raised for the most part. Um, and and so I've always been, as a performance marker, I, I don't feel like if you're building a business that requires a ton of capital, you're probably doing it wrong, right? So like we know like, Every dollar we spend, what we're going to get back. If we're good at our jobs, we kind of know how to structure that. So that was obviously the same. Uh, that was the idea going into car checks of what we wanted to accomplish. And I took the model right from the loan page, right? The banks compete model. But instead of having banks compete or having to talk to you know three or four people and tell them your story and here's my house and this is what I got to do and blah, blah. Like that was the annoying part of that experience. Instead... I basically went and worked with the best administrators in the space and my, what we call a vehicle protection specialist, who know inside and you know inside and out the contracts, et cetera. What they would do is they would deliver the highest level of coverage to the customer for the most competitive price, right? In that same compete model, and I found that the compete model was something that you know to this day still works well. Comparison shopping is what people want to do and and um and then delivering transparency and that was the other um big concept that we wanted to bring in and if you remember i don't know if you were at the car checks offices but you remember like everything was glass and open and that was by design because the whole concept here was transparency we wanted you to be while we're on the phone with you you see everything you know, it's not that blue screen that you get in the dealership it's the you know it's it's you get to see what we see we're we're being completely transparent with you in terms of of that the whole experience pricing product etc um and so we wanted to give people a consultative experience and that wasn't being done at the time and so that was all part of the strategy and then it then it was like well how do we how do we own the internet so it was a lot of strategic relationship building which i i'll tell your marketers right now it's all worth biz dev is really the best thing you can do as a marketer if you're good at business development you can make some magic happen particularly with performance marketing. And so, you know, our partners were, um, you know, Kelly Blue Book and AutoTrader and Carfax and, um, and you know, the like, and we brought them in early and the Zurichs of the world insurance companies like that. And then we partnered with dealers and built out kind of the dealer remarketing side of the business. And so all those things grow, but they had one thing in mind. Our brand promise was customer experience above all. And I think if you're a direct consumer brand, 
or even a direct consumer marketer, I think the best marketers lead with that conceptually, which is why I think AI, just bringing this full circle, is important. Because I think what a lot of marketers do, and it's and again, it's part of the way because how we're compensated a lot of times, right? That's part of the equation. Um, but if you can deliver more value and go deeper into the funnel for your client in terms of how far you can take that customer in the sales process, you've got a you've got a customer for life who's going to be buying, uh, you know, marketing services for you because you're delivering value not only to them but also delivering a great customer experience, which creates less ha- headache better operational margins, all the stuff that you want to, that you're thinking about. So, you know, that's the, that's a little bit about the background of car checks, but I will tell you this. Um, we stepped in every being early. The downside is there is no roadmap. So we stepped in literally every landmine there was to step in. And mm-hmm. sometimes that can be costly and those lessons are expensive and, um, and and challenging, but it builds a better business long term, um, and it builds a very experienced team. So if I had to take the trade off of being, you know, second, third to market, which is there's a value in that, and a lot of times I I, I prefer um, to kind of be the one to, and this this may be counterintuitive for a lot of people. I prefer to be the one out in front making the first mistakes and breaking things um, because I think that you just get there faster yeah yeah most likely you do you get that first-hand feedback as opposed to like reading a blog post about it yeah for sure cool Uh, well hey we could go here for hours man i'm loving this conversation i think that the audience is loving it too um let's talk about the future a little bit what are you uh what are you planning on doing or are you thinking about like starting something new or just investing or i'm thinking about about, uh, it's all of it um i think the first thing I'm doing is is some investing, um, kind of spreading out, learning new things, um, taking my marketing chops to to other opportunities. I think there's a lot of exciting things in e-commerce. I think there's a lot of exciting things going on with YouTube as a platform. Spending a lot of time there. Um, if you think if you have kids, you know that your kids don't watch TV anymore; they watch YouTube. Like that's yeah. where they go, right? So there is an opportunity to create really um, kind of a next level of content there versus a lot of the DIY type stuff that we're getting now. Um, so there's some interesting opportunities there that I'm diving into starting a production company around uh, YouTube and TikTok. And um, and then there's, you know, like I said, e-commerce is exciting. There's, you know, I think if you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of ways to create nothing. There's nothing, there's no true passive income, right? I mean, but it, it, when, when you're, when you're a marketer, you're going to get your hands dirty. You're going to dive in there, but there's some some good opportunities to kind of set up. So what I've done for my really is to set up kind of I'll call them my more passive income streams. Bring in good teams, other folks I can invest in, lend my experience, lend my marketing chops to make those ventures a success, fund them, um, and so th- th- those are some some things that I'm I'm working on. Um, there's a lot of other, there's, there's stuff totally outside the internet. Like my, again, as an impact investor, I'm looking for investments that will just do that, you know, will make an impact. So, um, I won't go into the specific details cause I'm in the thick of certain ones right now where I've, you know, obviously signed some, uh, you know, some NDAs and some things where I can't talk about it, but there's, 
um, some brick and mortar businesses that are do a lot of good out there that I'm looking to to, to purchase. Commercial real estate is exciting. You know, I think uh, I think everybody wants to figure out how to add you know multi unit opportunities to their portfolio. Um, but because everybody wants to do it, you know, deals are are challenging, uh, particularly in this market. But I think we'll see some good opportunities soon. And then I think once I get the those things established, plus I'd like to I'd like to help. Um, I, I went to Towson University, and um, they have an incredible. Um, they've got you know an accelerator program there that's awesome. So I'm going to spend some time helping them investing as an angel. Um, and then, you know, Westmore being elected, I'd like to do some good for the state and particularly for the city of Baltimore around uh, entrepreneurism and um, and just economic development in general. So hopefully I'll get to spend a little time uh, in government, not as an elected official. I would never want to do that. Uh, yeah. But behind the scenes where you can really make some things happen. And then the last thing is, yes, I probably will. Once all of those things are satisfied, I will likely uh, start something new. And uh, I've got a couple, you know, irons the fire in terms of things that I think are that early opportunity to be a market maker. Interesting. And you don't want to talk yeah. about those by chance, do you? <laughs> not yet, man. Not yet. Yeah. That's, you know, um, no, I think I'll, I think I'll hold back. You can have a lot of smart people that listen to this and, yeah. certainly i don't need to create any new competition quite yet but yeah 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 dude well that's awesome it sounds like you've got lots to do i mean you were you were rattling off a lot of different things there yeah um, um, what's up with the yeah. production company can you talk about that are you thinking yeah. like um yeah i just know like, i can talk yeah i can talk a little bit about that, that that's something i can talk about for you yeah um so I'm uh, sorry, and I cut you off. There's there a question in that too. Aside well, from, yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering because you said like a new, like a higher level of content. I'm just wondering what yeah. you have in mind. Well, so I think there's a couple really interesting genres right now that are doing well, um, and the team that I have, these are all folks that are you know producing stuff that you've seen, movie shows, you know, kind of believe conceptually in it, and are bootstrapping to to make this concept work. Um, but the idea is just, it's just around performance marketing the same way that we've always done it. So like our mandate is we don't necessarily what the care of what the content is, as long as it does no harm, that's our kind of guiding principle can do no harm, but the, the data, and that's a great thing about YouTube is YouTube provides you with so much feedback and data so that you can close that loop of really understanding what do people, what are they what are they consuming? What are they enjoying that you're producing? And you can you can guide yourself to producing the right type of content. So that's really what this shop is all about. It's a performance marketing shop. The the content is really you know the marketing per se, but it works the same way that we've always done performance marketing and closing that loop, that feedback loop, so that you can produce more content that people will consume that will ultimately produce more dollars for you through advertising right it's not there's no magic in the in the model um and i think a lot of folks are doing it well now the other question you had is going up a level in content yeah like what we see in terms of youtube in most of it not and there's plenty of content out there and channels that are being developed but a lot of what we see is these that is the video of 
you know, it's somebody like opening a product, talking about a product, playing a game, like it's the side-by-side DIY. Yeah. And if you see produce content, it's generally of a low level. And there's like some intelligence to doing that too, right? Like that DIY content, people like it. It feels like reality TV. And so it's it's popular. But I think there's an opportunity to go upstream a little bit and produce well good scripted content that doesn't, you know, that that looks like your network quality television. Um, but also you want to keep a little bit of that DIY feel because that is part of the magic of of YouTube. So you don't want to go too far, I think. But the truth of the matter is going back to where we started around this is like, I don't know. I'm not going to make any judgments. If I'm wrong about what people want to see, the data will tell me fast enough and then I'll produce content that they want to see. Um, but that's the idea of the, of the company. Interesting. In yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, Hey, this has been an awesome conversation, man. It's really uh, opened up my mind a little bit and, and, you know, expanded my horizons, which is great because, you know, you spend a lot of time doing one thing, like in a single business. Sometimes it's, it's really nice to be able to zoom out and just kind of like, you know, think about the horizon. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. This has been so much fun. And I, w- I will say that the sale of the business has given me that this is exactly what you're talking about right now. If anything, it's given me the space to think about all of these other exciting things and it gets me as you can see it gets me going right so that's for all of us we need you know you need to be able to refresh and bring in new skills and try new things and fail i mean i love fail we celebrate failing and and no one loves failing but i that failing is really important we celebrate failing in my house with my kids it's really important it's one thing we talk about every week and so um this is fun i will fail a lot you know i don't have all the answers um but it's going to be a fun ride. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. All right. Well, it's time for the grab bag questions, the rapid All fire. Right. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, sure. Fire away. All right. Here we go. Number one, top three books or reads that have uh, impacted you. Um, okay. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was younger, was really important for me. Um, the hard thing about hard things was really, really um, meaningful and timely for me. It's a book that I'll or read or listen to when I'm going through something difficult to remind me. Um, and uh, I think Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk mm-hmm. right now. That's that's been resonating for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've been hearing about that. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Next up. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Oh yeah. Next up, <laughs> if you could go back uh, to your 18 year old self and give, give a piece of Ooh. advice, what would it be? I know that's kind of a deep one, man. Um, well, I think the 18 year old part of me that I don't know what I would say to my 18 year old self. I was in college. I had started my first businesses in college. I think, I felt like that was a pretty good time. I don't think I would change much about that time. But if I, I'm going to cheat here, but if there was something that I would go back to myself, and this is why I'm being very careful through this process this time, it was when I sold the loan page 
and I jump right into card checks, um, not taking a second to really sit in that for a minute to think about all of the possible opportunities that are out there. Now, I, I think I'm exactly where I should be in my life. I wouldn't change anything. My experience and my time and the people I got to work with the card checks is great. But this time around, that's what I'm trying to do again, is just give myself some space to think about where can I be the most impactful? What do I want to do? What's going to bring me joy? What's going to be useful for the world? Uh, all of those things that I think we ask ourselves when we have the luxury to do it. Um, so yeah, there, there you go. Nice. That's a good one. Uh, and then last up is what do you do or what did you do back in the uh, high volume work days to avoid burnout or to blow off steam? Um, well, one of the things that I did, I, I created for card checks, a whole wellness program before it was a popular thing to do. So we had boot camps in the office. We had yoga. We've all, you know, um, healthy foods, those kind of things that that's been a big part for me, but the most valuable thing that I've came into my life and it came late for me has been tennis. I love tennis. Like mm. whatever, when I'm on the court, like it's, I'm not great or anything. I began, I picked it up late, but I just, as long as I can run, I will. Um, yeah. well, and, and I think the really cool thing about tennis is that it's that dopamine hit of hitting the ball over and over again, those little shots. Right. And yeah. so it gives you a good release, especially when you're feeling all that pressure, stress, you know, yep. Gives, gives like, you that when you hit a yep. nice shot, like right up the line. Yeah, just great. Yeah, you know, you know all those feelings where you you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. Drop you know, the people mic. have been multiple people have suggested pickleball to me. Pickleball like, the last few months. Yeah, everybody loves pickle. I haven't started pickle yet because once I get there, like it'll be excuse for me not to run. Yeah. Like I said, I like to do use tennis as a cardio opportunity. Yeah. So, but yeah, pickles next. I paddle. I think any paddle sport is just a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, for everyone listening, if you enjoyed this, please drop us a like or a comment. Shoot us a note. Um, Jason, thank you so much, man. Let everybody know if they want to learn more about you or if they want to yeah. um, learn or follow along into your new ventures, what would you suggest they do? Easy way to find me. First of all, thank you for you know letting me do this. It was great for inviting me. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so the, the easiest way to find me, if you want to know more about me, just go to jasongoldsmith.com. Um, and that will link to my LinkedIn profile. So you'll be able to get a hold of me. Uh, or you can email me at jason at getgoldie.com. Nice. Cool. Yeah. And we'll include those also in the show notes. Uh, yeah. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Take care. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 